the more philosophical question here is, are the football bros thinking about human rights violations when they're happening? <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's a good that's a good question, but you know there is a lot of uh, you know what about you know that, that uh, yeah you know what what about this and what about that you know this mm-hmm. uh, isn't isn't that isn't that bad why is this a, a mega event being uh, being brought to the being criticized or why is this being talked about you know when we just want to talk about Messi and his World Cup. Think there is space enough space to talk about both. You know, it's like uh, there there is enough discourse around the sporting narratives and storylines that flood the media every day. So I think there should be a bit more space around around these issues as well. Yeah. Before we dive in, I just quickly want to introduce Mission Hummingbirds to you all. Mission Hummingbirds is proud to support and sponsor Blackbird, the podcast. Mission Hummingbirds' commitment to amplifying diverse voices and promoting meaningful conversations is aligned with the mission of Blackbird to bring critical conversations to the forefront. Blackbird is so proud to be associated with Mission Hummingbirds. I am very, very excited to record this episode with you because this is something, uh, the topic that we are talking about today, it's something that I have been um, coming across. A lot of us have been coming across this, especially in the past year, as we saw the Football World Cup happening. And uh, obviously, the, the highlight of it was uh, the human rights violations in Qatar and how things really went down and how workers were hurt and how laborers were hurt in the process and how displacement happened and uh, although it's not a very fun topic to really discuss but I do think that it's very important to address these things. Before we start there, I really want to ask you how did you get this far? How did you come here to the point where you are able to talk about this and let's start there. Okay. Okay. Great. Uh, well, uh, I I've always loved sports, uh, obviously, and uh, but yeah, from a young age, uh, it was very much about practicing and uh, doing sports and watching uh, sports as well. So watching the uh, especially football and the big events like the World Cup and the Olympics, and then um. As I got older, I guess, uh, I started to get, apart from that interest of, you know, what is happening uh, on the pitch and uh, the different kind of sporting side of it and the different teams, the stars, the athletes, everything like that, I also wanted to, uh, I got an interest in um, really the social side of it and the issues around uh, the games and the, the sports uh, events that uh, are also important, right? And that is what we are going to talk about today. But yeah, uh, I then uh, decided uh, in terms of my education, I then decided to do a degree, a master's degree in uh, sports management at Coventry University, which is a university in the UK, Uh and uh, this really 
kind of furthered uh, my interest in this in this topic and gave me a bit more information about all these kind of different things that I uh, knew I was interested in, but I didn't ha- have really all the the knowledge or uh, I, I could uh, research on more about these, these different topics. And um, yeah, basically I did my degree there in sports management then worked uh, in a company in the industry for a few years. And currently now I'm doing, uh, I came back to Coventry University and I, I'm doing a PhD uh, here at uh, Coventry. So yeah, uh, here we are. Uh, not exactly in the topic that we're talking about today, but uh, still it's some something that I'm quite interested and uh, uh, excited to talk about today. Yeah, Even though, as you say, it's not the most fun topic or anything like that. Uh, we all like to celebrate uh, sporting events and like to uh, the big athletes, the stars, and you know we we like to see the matches and everything like that. But there's also another aspect to it that uh, we have to to consider as well. Absolutely, and I also think that these topics. Uh, or a topic like this should be spoken about in normal conversations also because it just happens to be like an exclusive experts only area a lot of times and uh, the difficulty with that is that then it becomes you know a non-issue for the general public so I think Mm -hmm. um, this Mm -hmm. is a very very good opportunity for us to kind of deep dive Mm -hmm. into this and uh, deep dive into the Mm -hmm. problem and uh... mm-hmm. definitely definitely and uh, what you say about the general public because many time broadcasters you know the the event star the sports stars and then the commentary will be about about the game and the sporting side of it which is understandable you know but then uh, how it usually works is that these kind of um let's say impacts uh, this side this other side of uh, sporting events that we'll talk about today. Normally, they are talked about before the events are hosted, then the the actual sporting action starts, and then everyone can kind of forgets about it, you know. So, uh, so yeah, definitely, uh, it's something that should be talked about uh, and discussed about more. Absolutely, it all just kind of um, gets shadowed over the glitz and the glamour that mega sporting events bring. So. Um, Talking about this, um, do you think there's a brief way of, you know, just providing an overview of what the problem is, what what is with mega sporting events, and what's the sheer scale of these type of events, and uh, what kind of impact do they have in the world of sporting? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so what when we talk first of all when we talk about the mega sports events, well, typically you are talking about your Olympic games or football world cup and kind of other international sporting competitions uh, on a large uh, scale really and um, the thing is that you have a bit of a paradox in these kind of events because on the one side they are kind of internationally celebrated events i would say that everyone or a lot of people actually in the sporting world tune into and watch and many times they are proclaimed as you know uh, is when the countries come together uh, uh, for sport 
the different athletes from different parts of the world come together and really celebrate it in that sense as a celebration for sport really and for other ideals like sportsmanship and and different things but then on the other side um, the issue that we talk about now is the issue of uh, you know the impact that actually hosting this uh, mega sports event can have on the on the nation or on the cities that that host them so uh, we're talking here about issues quite relevant and significant such as uh, forced evictions uh, for people the maltreatment of uh, workers that work on these events the suppression of free speech and really different uh, issues related to the hosting of uh, of events that uh, need more uh, attention uh, paid to the to this kind of this kind of issues and of course also apart from uh, the actual direct impacts that these events uh, have uh, and that the hosting of these events have you have also the kind of issue of well when you are awarding the games to states like let's say Russia that organized the uh, Winter Olympic Games and the Football World Cup and that's recently that's not uh, 50 years ago that's uh that's uh four years ago or uh, uh, for the for the world cup a bit more so where countries were basically are not really in line with human rights either uh or with a kind of ideals of a kind of human dignity and for example uh upholding of human rights for uh certain groups of people so you've got really kind of these these different issues uh that are part of that that are uh increasingly more attention is paid to to these kind of issues but still there is a lot of work to be done in that in that sense <laughs> Many, many thousands of people took to the streets across Brazil to protest against um, government spending on the uh, on the World Cup when hospitals and schools, public services were so underfunded. Now, the police response to those protests was really violent. They used water cannon, they used rubber bullets, they beat protesters. The biggest mistakes that have been made in Brazil not only during the World Cup, but principally in the preparation period prior to the World Cup, with the massive evictions of many people and families, the destruction of favelas uh, that were absolutely linked to the mega event cycle that were coming up in Brazil. And there has been a lot of violence as well. If you see Mr. Bach, which, who is the president of the IOC in the moment, on Copacabana Beach and telling the international media that Rio de Janeiro will be a more equal and a better city after the Olympic Games. This is basically a slap into the face of the thousands that have been evicted and the many that have been killed due to the Olympic Games. In the last five years, uh, 1,500 civilians have been killed by the police in Rio. The majority of them are young black men. And so this is the same police force that's going to be providing security for the Olympics. So we're quite concerned about the security aspect around the event next year. We can hope that we won't see the same human rights abuses that we saw 
uh, in the run-up to the uh, World Cup last year. Um, what really needs to happen, though, for all future Olympic events is that the IOC needs to include in in every stage of hosting an event a commitment to human rights. I have hopes for the future in terms of like media coverage and and journalists being interested in what's going on. And yeah, that can really help to raise awareness. Apart from nations being mindful about hosting these kind of events and their sheer scale and, you know, the way it may affect their population. Do you also think that the existing sociopolitical um, environment of a country uh, for example, you just spoke about Russia and perhaps uh, the human rights violations that are probably already occurring in the country. And do you think on that level, uh, should uh, gaming, uh, I mean, sport associations be more mindful about where they are hosting them? Because apart from the uh, uh, human rights violations that might take place while the event is being held. How about the existing violations happening in the country already? So do you think that's correlated in any way? Yeah, definitely. I mean, when there's big associations and you're talking about the IOC, the International Olympic Committee that decides uh, where these uh, Olympic Games are held, uh, when you talk about FIFA, the uh, Association for Football, that decides where the World Cup is held. Well, you've got a responsibility there because essentially you're kind of putting these countries on a pedestal for a few weeks, uh, putting, giving them a platform, really, and a country organizes this type of events and uh, kind of is celebrated, the sporting action, the sporting element is celebrated. Then there's a bit of forgetting or a bit of... Uh, you know, you kind of don't look at uh, the other uh, social side of it, the other uh, negative side of it, of these countries, and you pay more attention to the sporting game. So definitely there is uh, that aspect of, well, if a country is already, there, they are demonstrating, demonstrated violation of human rights, in this country, should the country be permitted to host such an event? And I don't know, I'm, I'm interested to think, to see what is your uh, thinking on it as well, because obviously you don't want to shut out uh, all countries and just stay with the Western rich, rich countries that can host events. But obviously you've got that, that uh, question of should these events be awarded to to these countries in the first place, you know? I agree. And it's a very curious case, again, because it's like you are thinking about this on one hand, but on the other hand, you're also thinking that do these events at such a large scale that usually result in human rights violations be happening in the first place? So it just kind of throws away the question of which country, where and what and why. I think essentially the first thing that needs to be figured out is in what way are these events being designed? In what way are they being executed and how they are violating human rights and also how that can be prevented and you know made it happen instead yeah yeah, yeah. 
yeah def so, definitely yeah it's uh yeah. it's it's a question of you know the the model of these events as well that you talk about is a model that uh, actually contributes a bit to this negative side of uh, eroding human rights because it's a model where you know the olympic games you got three weeks of games and then that's it that's done so then uh, you've got a time frame to build all this infrastructure to work on all these different things that you have to meet and then the games happen uh, you know the that is done and then it's uh, kind of the the attention the uh, moves up moves on you know it's uh who is talking now about for example what human rights violations happened in the china in the beijing olympic games well not a lot of people really so uh, is that question of really what happens after as well this kind of event and really is the model of these events all wrong uh, in a way um but yeah uh, I'm interested to think what what do you think about it, given that uh, you will be talking here about you know what countries should be allowed to to hold these events. Like I said, my essential problem is, are these events even supposed to happen? Yeah. Um, because the whole thing is again about you know also a sense of um, honor and patriotism that you know, borders, national, like hyper-nationalism when these things happened and when countries are expected to host these events and participate in them. In fact, the host countries usually, you know, it goes ballistic with nationalism when hosting a mega event like this. So mm -hmm. people don't usually respond to, um, you know, the way these events occur even in uh, the country that's hosting them, they don't respond to these events in the way that probably we are looking at it right now from a critical lens or from a more objective lens. So it becomes yeah. a matter of pride. It becomes a matter of honor. And when these things come in and when it, you know, goes to the whole national interest situation, then definitely, I mean, there's no other option but for you to have and host these events. Um, so I think, again, like coming back to answering your question, about how I feel about what country and I, I honestly don't think I'm in no position to make any choices there but um, it, it's also kind of counterproductive uh, in a way to even think about this question I believe because um, it's the West is not human rights violations free right so yeah, right, yeah. so it's not like um, uh, a specific region of the global north or the global south is supposed to uh, host these events because they have lesser human rights violations. I think they are pretty much universal, even in a country like the United States and completely deflecting from the topic. But there are human rights violations happening in the U.S. as well. So, but would anyone bat an eye if the U.S. tomorrow decides to host the Olympics? They won't. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that's completely true. And actually, well, there is, there is that uh, discussion as well because the U.S. will host the 2026 20, World Cup actually uh, a bit of you know well uh, has anyone protested around that uh, well no so so there is that thing of a uh, the discussion of a dual standard or something like that of you know 
it's a tricky one you know but because in in some way you don't want to you don't want to shut out countries from effectively supporting the the chance of you know uh, celebrating sport a sporting event or success and, and something like that but at the same time when you think about let's say uh Saudi Arabia or in uh, Qatar for example uh there is a massive kind of human rights violation on a scale or on a way that uh, are quite significant and makes us uh, think, well, maybe they shouldn't be hosted there, you know. But uh, it's a, it's an interesting discussion that is uh, often, you know, held uh, and online you can see people saying, well, uh, what you just said, right? I mean, the U.S. has human rights violations. They're not free of human rights violations and they are still hosting a World, a World Cup in four years' times as well. So why shouldn't other countries be allowed to? And to your point as well, I think this kind of event will continue happening. You know, I, th- I don't I don't think there is a, a chance of these events uh, to stop happening because of all the interest that there is. But it's a question of how they will happen as well. And the model can be changed. So, for example, if a World Cup or an Olympic Games, the responsibility to host uh, these events are shared. So, for example, you've got the World Cup in four years' time. I said the U.S. will host it, host it, but it will host it jointly with Mexico and Canada as well. So that responsibility is a bit shared. So you've got less kind of uh, pressure on the infrastructural needs in a single country the olympic games is it is that kind of infrastructural pressure that pressure on a single city that is appears to be too much so can that model be changed so that uh, perhaps there's a, a joint hosting of events in different uh, of olympics in multiple cities that are close by really but um, yeah so that model really, really in my mind needs to be considered and uh, there needs to be some rethinking uh, around that uh, as well. I agree and also very rich of the US to be hosting the Football World Cup understanding that football is a whole other different thing in that country and football is actually soccer there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah right, right, right. we're talking about football but as in soccer, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, absolutely and coming to, you know, to speak of any recent cases where uh, such mega sporting events have resulted in significant human rights violations. I think uh, last year with the Qatar World Cup would be the latest example of something like that happening. Um, Would you be able to share a little bit about what went down in Qatar? Yeah, so obviously Qatar was awarded uh, the World Cup uh, that happened uh, last year. And there was a lot of issues around that. So first of all, there was the issue of corruption, of course, uh, that there was bribes uh, given to uh, officials to be able to vote to so that they, they would vote for Qatar to be uh, to win that kind of hosting rights as well. Uh, allegedly, that's the case. And uh, then, of course, you've got in Qatar different human rights issues uh, within the country that make you think on a moral level, is it right to elevate and to uh, kind of 
celebrate an event of this type to put the country on a pedestal, as I said before. So you've got uh, violations of LGBT groups. You've got a uh, violation of women's rights. You've got a uh, different uh, violation of uh, workers' rights, especially. So, for example, in Qatar, there were... Uh, it's a small country, so it, it, it isn't a country with a huge uh, kind of sporting history of uh, hosting events. So it had to do a lot of work in terms of uh, constructing uh, stadiums, infrastructure, so all the infrastructure around it, you know, hotels and uh, all that is needed for uh, an event of this, this magnitude. And there were many reports. So the this World Cup was really kind of marred by reports of you know uh, unsafe working conditions. Uh, a lot of migrant workers which uh, went to Qatar uh, denounced human rights abuses, uh, even forced labor in some cases. Uh, so a significant portion of that workforce that uh, worked for the Qatar uh, World Cup. Uh, is allegedly have happened under kind of really harmful working conditions and even there were deaths as well around uh, working in in stadiums and uh, yeah so that was a very contentious case where for example you've got uh, on the one side a lot of uh, organizations such as Amnesty International, Human Rights Watch, and newspapers denouncing this, and then uh, the Qatar World Cup and FIFA saying, "Oh no, no, nothing is happening really here. Is everything is okay?" But then, obviously, that that wasn't the case. So, yeah, Qatar, it has it has been very very controversial from start to finish, from the day they awarded the event. Uh, to the coming up to the event and then broadcasters kind of before the event highlighted a lot of human rights violations in, in terms of that happened in the countries, but also directly related to the organizing of the event. But then, of course, the, the games happened, attention got moved elsewhere, you know, the, the storylines happened in terms of you know, the football storylines in terms of Argentina, that in this case, uh, Messi, so one of the biggest stars in uh, really sports uh, history, winning that World Cup. And kind of that attention was moved as, elsewhere, what we were talking about in the beginning, you know, that uh, that attention, media attention, public attention that uh, went into these issues beforehand, well, that got uh, a little bit lost so you you don't have a lot of that follow-up some newspapers have done that follow-up to see you know what uh what happened after but uh it is a case where really um the typical case of uh, of events where this happens and the the attention is is to the sport in action I do remember seeing a video um, on a news channel once where uh, a reporter went in um, uh, to Qatar and uh, they found that uh, the violations were such that uh, even in terms of uh, 
the workers who were building these stadiums and uh, building the infrastructure. They were living in extremely small spaces, uh, like 11 to 12 people sleeping in a very, very small room. And they didn't have enough water uh, in their bathrooms. They didn't have bathrooms even. It was um, in a very sorry state. And uh, they showed all this on video. And uh, one of the people in charge, uh, one of the princes was interviewed as well. And when they were asked about these violations, they said that nothing was wrong. And the prince actually asked the reporter to go see it themselves. And the reporter was like, yeah, I did, <laughs> which is why I'm asking you the question. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's just so, it's so sad and it's such a sorry state. And but mm. eventually, like, like you said, as the storyline shift, as the narrative shifts, everyone forgets about things. It's, it's a whole, I mean, I also feel like the media becomes extremely responsible in, in this case because they are the ones moving these storylines in this way and most of them eventually refused to come back to where they started and then like you said it became about Messi it became it became about uh, Argentina winning the World Cup and uh, things like that and the whole narrative surrounding the World Cup changed and then no one was talking about Qatar anymore so I think even the media in some way is kind of responsible to uh, fuel these kind of um, conversations or not and mm. also given you know the covid-19 pandemic which happened just before something so uh, huge was hosted in qatar uh, covid is supposed to have had a significant impact on the hosting of mega sporting events uh, but seemingly that didn't affect the way the world cup in qatar was held at all and um, can you discuss mm. any mm. Uh, uh, do you think do you think that sporting um sorry i'm just gonna say it again <laughs> uh what is that i, I just just slipped my mind wait let me think for a second <laughs> yeah no worries no worries about it so when these things happen and when these circumstances become a reality and it's all you know everything is going down there are violations happening and countries are being held responsible countries are being called out um do you think sporting organizations and the sponsors uh, that are in charge of the gaming side of it, the sports side of it, uh, do you think they are responsible in any way to ensure that human rights of workers and communities and even the athletes are protected during these events? Yes, definitely. I mean, uh, that's the big, let's say, the uh, big ask or the... Or, or what really should be the case is more accountability to the org to the big associations, the International Olympic Committee, FIFA, and other sporting uh, governing bodies. Uh, so more to to pay more attention to this issue of human rights and not really deflect and take responsibility. You know, as we were saying before, FIFA saying that nothing wrong was happening and that only a few deaths happened in. Uh, in relation to kind of uh, constructing of uh, stadiums in Qatar, well, that's really trying to deflect the narratives and trying to, you know, come up with their own uh, information, which is an outright lie, of course. But, uh, you know, there is that case of 
that those calls for greater accountability and transparency from the event organizers and uh, to ensure that those human rights are protected kind of and respected throughout that that uh, that event organizing and they have to take responsibility for it they cannot just deflect and say oh this is a, a case of the of the country that is hosting the event so we cannot comment on that or that uh, this is a, a a case that is uh, many times you're working with you know suppliers and contractors and different organizations that are responsible for the infrastructure needs of uh, of events of this magnitude and then but you have to have in in place some kind of you know safeguarding principles and human rights principles that direct how this should happen right and that uh, 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 in my mind there is definitely a need for this what you mentioned is a organization's governing body to take more responsibility for it and to oversee the process of organizing an event and monitoring it, monitoring the human rights implications of it. And if abuses happen, well, not let them fester in a way and kind of try to to have a more intervention and uh, protection around human rights uh, so that they are protected really throughout that uh, that event life cycle. Absolutely. And this also kind of showed during the World Cup in Qatar when uh, I do remember reading about this that uh, when um, athletes who belong to the LGBTQ community were um, chose to step out of the World Cup and also chose to kind of um, um, show solidarity or protest while playing and uh, also exp- while experiencing the restrictions from the government in Qatar. Uh, however, there was no kind of responsibility or no attempts made by FIFA or any other sporting governing body that was in charge because I mean, why would they? Because it's Qatar. It's it's the whole and soul of oil. Why would you raise your voice against a country that's strong? Uh, so there was yeah. nothing um, there to mitigate this kind of uh, uh, a very, very key struggle that many players uh, sort of experienced. And again, you know, it's like I'm talking about this and then if I have to further deep dive, which I think would be another whole episode of the podcast, um, uh, would be the fact that you know this was uh, this particular event in Qatar was an all men uh, sporting kind of a situation whereas if it had to be um, women's football for instance the level of violations would have been you know doubled so um, that's another yeah. whole story <laughs> honestly but just yeah, and uh... Uh, yeah, just just to comment on that uh, as well. So there was uh, the Saudi Arabia kind of tourism board or something like that. I think uh, I'm right in saying. So there's going to be a Women's World Cup and the Saudi Arabia tourism board or country uh, got the sponsorship of that event, which also <laughs> caused a lot of uproar in that sense because how can that be possible that a country with those human rights violations against uh, really women's rights violation got a sponsorship on that and what you mentioned about sponsors 
as well. Uh, there has to be some accountability for them as well. You know, they are really the uh, the companies, the organizations that are also making these events happen. They are the ones coming up with the money to fund these events. So if uh, there are um, kind of concerns around human rights, uh, there should be a possibility or there should be more cases in my mind where the uh, companies go, well, uh, we've seen what is happening in the organizing in the event and we are pulling out, you know, uh, and there should be, as you said, more uh, attention paid to not only the governing bodies, but also the sponsors that are uh, making this happen, you know. Well, the World Cup kicks off in Qatar on Sunday. For more than a decade, millions of migrant workers have toiled to build eight stadiums, a renovated airport and a completely new public transportation system. But human rights groups say Qatar's migrant workers are often forced to labour under extremely poor conditions. They're demanding compensation. There's never been a World Cup like this one. The first in the Arab world, boasting eight state-of-the-art stadiums, by far the most expensive tournament in FIFA history and the most controversial one. For years, human rights organizations have criticized the working conditions on Qatar's construction sites. Thousands of migrant workers suffered wage theft, paid extortionate recruitment fees, or even died under unexplained circumstances. Malkin Bidali worked as a security guard in Qatar for three years. The Kenyan spent a month in a Doha jail after exposing how Qatar treats its migrant workers cramped living conditions. This is where you live like six, eight, ten, twelve people in one room, depending on uh, how generous the employee is feeling. And uh, long working hours, uh, according to the Qatar labor law, it's supposed to be eight working hours, uh, eight hours a day, uh, plus an additional two hours overtime. Uh, but different companies working in excess of 12, 13, 14 hours. When we talk about hosting mega sporting events in countries, most of it, or maybe I would say all of it, the financial burden aspect is borne by the taxpayers. So how do you think can host cities and countries uh, are able to balance the economic benefits of hosting since people are coming in uh, from around the world and uh, there are all of these, um, um, you know, there is a boost in the economic benefits through these events. And how do they balance that with the potential negative impacts on communities and the environment in general. How do you think is that balanced with countries? Yes, so you're right. I mean, the creation of jobs, the economy, the boost to the economy is often one of the main kind of justifications by the governments to uh, legitimize this uh, organization of uh, mega sporting events. Which, by the way, less and less uh, countries are uh, aiming to organize because they are seeing there are not so many benefits to it because there is an economic boost there, uh, especially in terms of tourism and, and things like that. But these events really cost billions to organize. So in the end, there is always a loss uh, in the accounts of the, the organizing uh, committee of of this kind of uh, mega sports events. Um, so these are often like put 
as a justification for uh for organizing uh, these events but in the other hand where we're talking about the community and the people on the ground are often impacted in such a way where uh, they are a bit their rights are not upholded what we said before the exploitation of workers to uh, construct stadium hotels and infrastructure uh the forced evictions as well so uh, many times there will be transport infrastructure or other type of infrastructure built around uh, the the city of or the country to to make way and to kind of uh, uh do that do those works uh before the event and then they have to clear space and they, they are uh this results in really social disruption forced evictions many times so for example a case which i have studied uh, and researched in the past is the case of the rio olympic games in in rio there was a, around uh, uh 20000 evictions if i'm not mistaken the beijing olympic games there was also tens of thousands of evictions that happened and evictions in the case of you know they how they happen they pressure residents to leave their homes uh quickly uh they do not allow for um kind of assistance from lawyers and this kind of horrible situations for the community for the people the local populations that are there uh that really are disregarded for the the benefit of uh, a mega sports event really and also you have so we've talked about forced eviction we've talked about the exploitation of workers but you also have uh discrimination and you have uh police brutality as well there is definitely that need to push the balance more towards local communities and how their rights are upholded and uh how their situation the social situation uh, is improved uh in result to this to this event rather than hindered true but on the other hand you know there's also this whole argument about how mega sporting events are uh, required or are necessary to ensure that there's economic development and there's job creation now about economic development we can you know i mean we just uh, spoke about that um that it might not always be as fruitful considering tourism might not bring as much money or maybe i don't know the sale of merchandise might not bring so much money or anything other retail that's associated with the event in question uh but yeah. what about job creation although we are talking about um workers being exploited and workers working in horrific conditions ensuring that this kind of infra- infrastructure exists in a very very short amount of time um it also provides a certain job security to them so where do we stand in that debate yes uh that debate definitely is interesting there because you have got job creation but the question is what type of jobs are they quality jobs and uh are workers uh 
doing uh, are they in safe working conditions do they have for example health care do they have uh, their rights upholded uh, do they have uh, access to what i was saying adequate housing as well if they have to to migrate to a certain place to build uh, stadiums or facilities do they is their health also uh, respected uh, so all these different conditions around the jobs that are created need to be considered carefully as well apart from uh, so not just saying oh we're going to create jobs so well what what kind of jobs are you creating are, are they going to have uh, good wages good working condition good benefits so that needs to be part of the conversation It is the responsibility of uh, governing bodies such as FIFA or the IOC to also make sure that uh, there is labor regulations and there is, uh, I would say, that the people that are working directly in the construction of infrastructure for their event uh, are in good working conditions. You know, So there, there has to be some accountability uh, in that sense as well. Some might call you a socialist for this, but honestly, this is just very, very basic. <laughs> uh, yeah, basic I mean, expectations. Uh, yeah, it's it's basic expectation, right? So it's, uh, okay, if you are the IOC or you're FIFA and you're in charge of the World Cup, you should have some sort of uh, mechanism, some sort of policy that ensures that there is not human rights violation directly related to the construction of the stadiums where the games will happen. I mean, that, as you say, is, is quite basic, but it, it needs to, to, to be there because obviously it's not, it's not happening. I agree. Do you think after, you know, discussing so much about how controversial and mostly awful the situation is in terms of hosting mega sporting events, do you think there have been any such events where they actually have had any kind of positive outcomes socially, culturally, does anything strike you? Is there a sport or is there a particular event that usually causes less harm than most do? Yeah, so definitely there is uh, positive effects as well. And Many and we're, we're talking about Qatar before, and in my mind, Qatar overall it has had definitely a negative impact on the Qatar World Cup. Has had a negative impact on human rights, but uh, you've got also the case of you know that certain uh, issues are highlighted and media attention is paid to uh, to these issues where potentially there wouldn't be that much. Uh, attention paid if if it wasn't uh, because of a of a major sporting event. So Qatar, of course, is not on the international news agenda. If it weren't, if it weren't organizing a World Cup, so these kind of different issues, for example, we have talked a lot about workers' rights and all the difficult conditions that they have had to endure to uh, work on on this. On the Qatar World Cup, well, there is the argument as well that because of all these uh, 
media attention, the pressure from advocacy groups. There has been uh, progress around that and Qatar as a country has improved its labor laws that potentially it wouldn't have if there wasn't that, that kind of pressure. So this kind of events can also work as a platform to highlight uh, issues where uh, potentially there wouldn't be uh, so, uh, so much of a focus of of attention uh, as well. And In terms of finding possible solutions to address this issue, uh, there would be so many things that could happen which would, you know, possibly provide as um as a, as a uh, path to ensuring that these events uh, sure they might be hosted they might occur but not at the cost of violating human rights so things such as increase in regulation and uh, improved standards of labor and having a sort of transparency in the complete planning to execution process right from the hosting uh, the host country and to the sponsors, to the organizations that are in charge of uh, uh, the sport uh, as a whole, I think th- these kind of um, uh, these kind of regulations may possibly, you know, be the pathway towards ensuring that mega sporting events occur in a very very healthy manner. But that's for the future. Again, like you said, mm-hmm. you, know, you talked about. Uh, Qatar changing their labor laws because of all the pressure. But, you know, I mean, great. I'm I'm happy that happened. But at what cost, right? When you think about it, at what cost yeah. uh, after everything went down? And um, it although I mean, you know, it, it just becomes like a very counterproductive sort of uh, a thing to happen. Uh, however, I mean, let's hope for the best, I would say. And yeah, uh, yeah. and also there is uh, an argument that I uh, just wanted to mention, although there is uh, very few evidence for this kind of uh, argument, is that oh, a lot of countries will say, for example, the London Olympic Games, uh, that argument was very prevalent. And it was that, uh, you know, we're going to have a legacy of sport participation uh, in the population at the grassroots level. So the argument goes, this event is going to inspire the local population to uh, take part in sport, to have healthier lives, to you know have more uh, sport uh, in different kind of grassroots community environments. The problem is that that doesn't really happen. There is not really a lot of evidence to say that these mega sports events have a positive legacy in terms of sport participation, really. Maybe you will get uh, some people that, yeah, they will be kind of inspired by these different cases, but there needs to be, apart from the infrastructure that is uh, delivered for the elite athletes and the, the athlete and the kind of elite professional games and professional sport, there also needs to be uh, a legacy in terms of community sport participation. After all, these events are about sports. So why wouldn't there be some kind of commitment to be able to build infrastructure that is, uh, that are not only huge stadiums that are, uh, called the white elephants, you know, these huge stadiums that are built and then 
that are left over and no one uses it, but also commitment for local community facilities and infrastructure that can be used uh, by grassroots sports clubs, by people that want to participate as well. Do you think there are there is any possible way to introduce any sort of innovative approach or solutions to mitigate these negative impacts of megasporting events um, on human rights and the environment in general? And, um, you know, such as use more use of technology or any other different approaches that might ensure that there is... Uh, less impact on human rights mm. yeah so so that that question i think starts within the bidding process the bidding for for events international sporting events and actually the awarding of this type of events so what we were discussing in the beginning what countries can host these events well the people that are awarding events to these countries should have a consideration for what kind of what is the uh, legal and human rights environment in those countries uh, to consider whether uh, whether the events can be hosted there without a violation of human rights. But then, of course, you have uh, what we talked about labor or safe, safety regulations. Uh, there can be uh, uh, more transparency, you know, uh, a lot around the uh, supply chains of these events are very obscure. So, you know, what what kind of companies are you using and can you actually monitor whether these companies are upholding the rights of the people working for them or not? Can you also put processes for the people, the workers, uh, in connection with the events to to sorry to uh, processes for uh, uh, the workers to actually uh, identify or uh, highlight a bit these um, these violations and report the abuses directly to authorities or to other organizations. So. What you said about technology, technology is often, when we talked about technologies in relation to mega sports event, the talk is often around, oh, how can we make fans connect better with the event? But it, definitely there should be more thinking around how can uh, technology be used to enable workers to report abuses or to uh, enable uh, people in the local communities to have more information around what they can do. Um, so there isn't a one answer there, but there's definitely different processes around this kind of mega sports events that uh, can be taken from the start, from what country can uh, can organize these events to war, uh, to all the event life, life cycle. So organ uh building the infrastructure um uh, organizing the event and then afterwards as well what is the legacy for the local community what is there some also infrastructure that will be used for the local community as well apart from these huge stadiums so there's definitely different things that can be done 
in the context of human rights to to improve that that situation uh, around the different processes and uh, also the design and kind of implementation of these events. And with regards to the impact that these events have on local communities and especially on marginalized groups, how do we think we can work around that? How do you think steps can be taken to ensure that their voices and their perspectives are taken into consideration and taken into account when planning and hosting these mega sporting events? Yeah, definitely. There is... uh... The case of marginalized groups that are uh, affected by the organizing of mega sports events, and I think they should be taken into consideration as important stakeholders within those conversations around around these types of events, and really to include them in a real way in terms of uh, the infrastructure that will be built and the different things that will happen around the the event and how they can how they can uh, participate as well within these kinds of um occasions so i think a lot is uh, around the frameworks that are in place the policies the transparency around the event but also there can be initiatives definitely where you know these events happen on a uh kind of short term basis so why can you why you can't make commitment you know make a commitment to have uh, a percentage of people from mar- marginalized groups in the workforce or as volunteers for the event or include them in in a way you know i think that there is the overall picture of what will be the legacy but also in a short term can you include them directly uh within uh, different initiatives, you know. Thank you so much for sharing so much information and new knowledge on this episode today. I did not expect to be bombarded with so much of thinking uh, to do after we are done recording this episode. But uh, this has been incredible. And just to sum up, I would say that um, for this episode, I would say that the issuing of a call to action for listeners is just so important right now because workers' rights violations, women's rights violations, LGBTQ rights violations, all of these are not only happening when mega sporting events take place, but they're happening every single day in the most so-called normal situation around the world, especially in the South Asian and Indian context. We have so much more to do and such a long way to go. And I think these kind of discussions also uh, can push one to have a more greater thought of having this kind of uh, and holding a greater accountability in the world of mega sporting events, but also in life in general, uh, while life is happening and we are just, you know, living every day and not thinking twice about what's going on around us. So I think this did an incredible job of kind of highlighting that. And thank you so much, Gabriel, for joining me today. I super, super appreciate you being here. Yeah, no, thank, thanks to you. And definitely agree with uh, what you're saying. It's 
you know, paying attention to these things, uh, educating uh, yourself around these different aspects, you know, not only, and, you know, sometimes uh, you just want to tune in to these events. And as a sports fan, you know, I, I can relate to that. You just want to see the action, but you have to also consider what what is be- behind all of that. And can you actually maybe share some of these things that are happening uh, around these events and pay more attention to these different things instead of the kind of unanimous celebration of uh, this kind of mega sports event as a patriotic uh, occasion? I think there needs to be a bit more nuance, you know, like uh, what what is going on behind the scenes? What what are these events really uh, linked to? So definitely I hope uh, our conversation also for people listening will have brought a bit of bit of that. Uh, and thank you very much for for having me and yeah, uh, see you soon.